Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, folks. This is Jay Madison with Jay Madison's Rural America. Glad to bring you another episode of our podcast. Uh, We started this back in, let's see, I think it was uh, January, February. Uh, We started the podcast and uh, been excited to bring you a show almost every week. Usually I have uh, one or two co-hosts here, uh, Ron Robbins and Al Waltz, but you know, I overworked them, so we're, we're giving them another day off. But we do have a guest here today, so uh, you will hear a different voice here shortly. Hey, just want to uh, point out that uh, New York State, uh, the Climate Action Council, has put out their final scoping uh, plan for New York State to combat climate change and certainly encourage you to uh, uh, learn about that. We will be bringing you a podcast that focuses on the final scoping plan here in the new year. Uh, it's very important. It, you know, I've read through the whole thing, folks. It's 434 pages long. I've read through the whole thing and it will impact your life. It'll impla- impact the way you play, the way you work, and the way you live. Uh, here in New York State. So it might be something to check out. Uh, you can uh, Google, if you will, the New York State Climate Action Council and their final scoping plan, the scoping plan for 2022. Check it out. Like I said, 434 pages long. Anyways, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, folks, and we'll bring you a uh, Uh, a story on it here after the first of the year. My guest today is Scott Zare. Uh, Scott Zare is the owner of Maplewood Suites, and he is an employee. uh, Yeah. uh, What is the exact title? Business Development Manager. Okay, that's important to remember, you know. Oh, not really. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fancy way of saying I uh, work on sales. Yeah, Business Development Manager for Agrarian Solutions. Yes. And so what do you do uh, as the business development manager for Agrarian Solutions? You know, my boss asked me that same question, and I said, well, actually, I develop business. Uh, (laughs) No, but uh, so I am responsible for um, sales to feed mills like, say, Gold Star here in Adams. Oh, okay. um, And uh, and other mills like that across uh, 23 states from Maine to Florida and as far west as Kansas. Do you have to travel to all those states? Um, yes, I do. I haven't been to all of them. Um, I've been in this role for just about a year, January 1st to be a year. One of the uh, good things that came out of COVID was in the ag industry, dairy in particular, um, we found out that we can do an awful lot through Zoom. It, it's worked out great with a young family at home, travel schedule, you would you would expect that kind of territory. You're talking 100, 150 nights a year in hotels, probably under, I would say, pre-COVID. And now yeah. it's more like 2025. So. Yeah, it definitely has changed the landscape as far as uh, having to go out to locations. Now you can, you know, zoom in or doing online uh, video chat with somebody, and it's almost as good as being there. You know, in some cases, it is better to be in person, Absolutely. but uh, most of the time, you can do an awful lot of business, get a lot done via video chat. You know, there's no. There's no overabundance of, of employees or time in the dairy industry in particular, right? right? 
Correct. And so you take companies like, uh, like say, the Gold Star guys here in Adams. I'll, I'll pick on them in Adams Center. You know, if they were located in Florida, yeah, there's times where we're going to have to meet in person, and it's important. But they appreciate the fact that uh, they can jump on Zoom. It's going to be a half hour, maybe an hour conversation. They can schedule it. They know when it's going to be. Nobody's going to show up late. Or under the old way of doing it, you know, you would go down, probably uh, take lunch to the, to the office or coffee, you shoot the breeze for a half hour, you talk business for an hour, shoot the breeze for a half hour, and two hours of your day is gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's just not as efficient. Well, uh, and take a look at the weather, you know, forecast for today, you know, blizzard up and down the East Coast and, you know, out to the West. So, uh, you know, if you had scheduled a meeting someplace here in the next 24 hours, you may have a hard time getting to it if you had to travel to it. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. The the one thing we got to figure out yet is how to how to let cows be on Zoom. <laughs> That's the one thing I haven't been able to replace. I, I do get a, uh, a chance to get out on a lot of dairy, see a lot of cows, uh, work with a lot of dairy farms, and uh, yeah, there's nothing that replaces in person seeing the cows, seeing what they're doing, how they're acting, how they're. Well, behaving. you know, that's not that far. If it's not possible already, it's not that far away. I mean, you think about it, all of the technology we're using in dairy barns these days to monitor every step that cow everything. takes. Everything. I mean, the Fitbit is, is basically a Fitbit. Right. right? The system right. that I was most familiar with called Cow Manager uh, when I worked at Select Sires. So that's monitoring eating, rumination, ear temperature, um, laying time, walking time, high activity time. I mean, lots of different stuff. I think my wife's got one of those hidden on my body someplace. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> she have, seems to know when I've been uh, laying around the house a little bit too much. Some of the newer technology that they're looking at for cows is facial recognition software. Jeez. Like installing, you mentioned Rod Robbins is usually on, right? Yeah, so yeah. So you would install cameras all over, all over North Harbor Dairy, and it would facial recognition cows. And it would say, okay, this cow's been laying down too long. She's not feeling good. And somebody goes checks or you get a you know message on your smartphone. Jeez, it's amazing to think that you know that one cow in your thousand cow herd, that one cow shows a little bit of a change in the daily pattern. And cows are very pattern folks. They oh, yeah. they do the same thing the same way yep. every day of the year if possible. And so you get that little bit of a change. She spends an extra hour laying down versus up feeding, you know, uh, the farmer will get a message on their phone saying, Hey, cow 183 is not as active as normal, better checker. Yeah. And, you know, people think that these large dairies, they don't take care of their cows the way a small dairy does. In some ways they have as much, if not more contact with that cow, because they've got all these systems in place to know exactly what that cow is doing every minute of the day. Well, and it comes down to time too, right? So, if you think about how am I gonna how am I gonna provide individual care to a thousand cows? Right, right. So you have you have a, a system, whether it be uh, the cow manager. There's there's uh, SCR. There's a whole bunch of different systems out there that are essentially Fitbit for cows. So the cool thing, and I've seen this in action. I can I can know that that cow is on her way to being sick two to three days before she's actually clinically sick. Just by the change in rumination, um, how often she chews her cud, her eating pattern, her her movement pattern. 
So, so the system will monitor every bite she takes. Yeah, like you know exactly how many minutes that cow spent eating throughout the day. Down to the minute. Don't tell my wife that. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in so much trouble. <laughs> you were eating an extra ten minutes. You need to exercise an extra fifteen now. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it, that's, uh, I mean, literally, that's what we're doing with uh, the dairy cow now is is monitoring and managing to that nth degree, you know, everything that that cow is doing. Yeah. Well, that's it, that's just incre- incredible. So that's part of what you do at Agrarian Solutions? On the cow side, yeah. I mean, working with uh, producers across those states, um, you know, trying to promote healthy cattle, uh, feed healthy cattle, feed them smarter, feed better forages. Um, and, and then on the tech, on the tech side, uh, we, we do some work with cow manager. They have, uh, the software they use, they have a program, uh, where we can look at the eating minutes and rumination minutes for an entire group of cows for like the whole herd or a segment of the population. So it's available individual cow too, <clears throat> which is applicable for say the, the farm manager, the veterinary that's responsible for caring for individual cows. But we can also look at the entire group and if we make a feed change today. So let's say uh, we go from feeding corn silage that was put up last year versus this year. We can look at that whole herd and say, wow, the whole herd dropped 10 minutes of rumination today. Hmm. Like we need to change something in their diet. And, and all these cows have nutritionists on call 24-7. Yeah, I mean, I mean they have their own dietitian. They do, yeah. And and then they can make, you know, adjust ingredients in that to to get the, the rumen working better. Uh, a decrease of 10 minutes of chewing their cud. I was just going to say, what's the significance of it's, that? It's about four pounds of milk. Per cow. Per cow. For uh, over a 1,000 cow herd, uh, a, a four-pound drop of milk per day. Yep. is 4,000 pounds of milk that that farm is not going to produce that day, right? which is a lot of money. That's what, almost 600 gallons? Yeah. yeah. Eight pounds per gallon? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, people don't realize how, how scientific, how much technology and innovation is being used in dairy farming every day now. Even, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the climate action plan here in New York State and what they're trying to do to, you know, fight climate change. And they're talking about managing greenhouse gas emissions on farms. Well, the, the, the dairy industry is far ahead of where the state is at in, in the efforts that we have to be better environmental stewards because we can manage the cows down to this nth degree. And there's a lot of work. I was talking with uh, Dr. Uh, Frank Mitlerner from the University of California, Davis, in our last uh, podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of work being done to look at, okay, if we adjust the feed ration of the cow, if we use a little bit different type of feed, we can further reduce greenhouse gas emissions from that cow by a certain amount. It's just amazing what we can do in agriculture with technology and science, what we're already doing. It is. And, and it, I know 
podcast, so you could, you guys couldn't see me when Jay started talking about greenhouse gas and dairy. <laughs> I could see. I it. was getting fidgety. Jay could see it. <laughs> and the reason being, it's it's such a hot topic. I mean, every conference, every dairy related conference oh, yeah. I've been to in two years, yeah. that's that's what we're talking about. It's important for us to talk about. It was also important for us to realize where we're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the U.S. dairy industry is the most carbon friendly country, dairy related in the world. Yeah, we lead the way. Yeah. We have the lowest carbon footprint for a gallon of milk produced. We do a better job with nutrient management than any other country, including Europe, who, who you know, is supposed to be the standard. With well, Europe's getting crazy. <clears throat> they're they're <laughs> going to kill their dairy industry over there. And it, that's it, it might be a good thing, but it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. But uh, I don't want to get too far down that road because right. we only have a limited amount of time. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's it's just crazy what's happening in Europe right now with their dairy industry and their livestock industry in general. But um, you know, there's bigger agendas going on there with animal agriculture. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so focusing back in on you, uh, we're talking with Scott Zare. Scott is the business development manager for yeah. Agrarian Solutions. Um, and he also owns Maplewood Sweets. You produce uh, maple syrup. Yeah, maple syrup, uh, maple cream, and uh, little maple sugar candies. Nice. Now, uh, big in, you know, big business, or give me give me an idea of what you do. So last year we produced about a thousand gallons of syrup. Okay, uh, give or take a little more. This year we expect to to be more in that four to five thousand range. With the, that's a with big the, jump. It, it, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, we had we had a three year plan. To uh, to double, go from uh, about a thousand gallon to two or three thousand gallon in three years, and um, I have a couple business partners, and we just had the opportunity last year to uh, go ahead and and over the course of the summertime and and going into you know January where we're going to be installing a lot more tubing, um, a lot more trees, and doing some uh, doing some purchasing of sap from other other producers as well. So wow, so you're you're going into this big time. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how my wife let me get away with this. But. Yeah, you know, we should we should uh, recognize Summer here as as the boss. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Summer I, is. I have the wild ideas, and she keeps me in check. Uh, yeah, somehow she, she didn't keep me in check. On this. She tries to keep your feet on the ground with this. Uh, Summer's a former dairy princess here in Jefferson County, yep. and she's the manager for the Jefferson Bulk Milk Co-op, correct? Yes. Yep. And she runs the cheese store over on Route 3. Yeah, so she's the overall manager of both entities, and then um, they have another uh, 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 store manager. That's her specific role. Cody Anderson is over there, um, and, and she kind of runs the day-to-day operation. But since you mentioned the cheese store, yeah, yeah. barbecue chicken. Oh, yes. I know can. it's the wrong time of year right now. I mean, for me, it's the right time of year. I'll eat barbecue chicken anytime. Me too. Um, I look like it. But uh, <laughs> we, so I'm the guy that cooks chicken up there every every Friday from like mid-April, 1st of May through Labor Day. So if, if uh, you guys ever up at the cheese store, you're wondering who cooks the chicken, uh, that's me. So And I can vouch for it, folks, because I do stop in every once in a while and grab a uh, chicken dinner for lunch. And uh, it is fantastic. You do a great job with uh, with the uh, barbecue. Um, I don't know what the sauces you use, but you do very well at making it. I appreciate that. There, you can find a video on the Cheese Store Facebook page um, where I actually 
uh, we brought Olivia Grant in, and she did a great job of capturing me making the sauce, and I kind of gave the insights of what's, what all's in the sauce, including the secret ingredient. Really? You yeah, gave that I gave away? away? I gave it away. Oh, man. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. But uh, Jake left us a, a great review uh, one day after he got up there to get some chicken, so yeah. appreciated that review. Uh, not a problem. It, it was fantastic. Uh, very good. Very good. Going back to Maplewood Sweets, so you're, you're expanding that. You're going from 1,000 gallons, hopefully, to two or 3,000 gallons this next year. Yep. That's a pretty significant increase. Is that uh, just all retail sales, or... Are you selling some in bulk too? Uh, it'll be a combination of bulk and retail, and then also the value-added products like cream and candy. Okay, so that that business is going well then for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're new in a way at it. Um, I sugared it with my father for years up in Lowville. Last year, we moved the the business to the boiling facility to Watertown on Massey Street. Um, so that was my first year there, uh, my cousin and another friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, like any startup, you know, it's it's tight. But, uh, hey, I think we're going to be fine. You know, we have uh, we have the product. We have we have a couple of really good markets. Uh, we, we market up at the cheese store. Um, Appledale Orchards down in Mexico carry our syrup they have for 25, 30 years. Um, and, and between those two outlets, we, we do have a, a retail market of about 1,000 gallons. Nice. Um, Very nice. So, yeah. Well, it's great to see such entrepreneurship uh, here in agriculture in the, you know, northern New York State. Now, you've been telling me uh, one of the programs that you're participating in right now to further enhance your skills, your knowledge, and to grow your leadership skills is something called the Young Dairy Leaders Institute. Did I get that right? Yeah, exactly right. So the Young Dairy Leaders Institute. I have to admit, other than you, I have not heard of that. So tell me about it. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, which, which surprised me when I brought it up to you. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of this till a few years ago. Um, but so you have Holstein USA, which is... <laughs> I'll say the the governing body of the Holstein dairy cow breed um, in the world. So the black and white cows. Um, they have another arm. It's the 501c3 arm of that organization called the Holstein Foundation. Okay. Uh, you can go to the holsteinfoundation.org and, um, and you can see what they do um, from, uh, you know, just promoting the dairy industry, the Holstein cow, and the programs they have. One of those programs, and it's kind of their – their key, um, I guess, uh, program to give back is the Young Dairy Leader Institute. And this started, I think this is their 12th or 13th class that I'm in. I'm in the 12th class. So I think this goes back to the early 90s, mid 90s when they first started this. And um, it used to be, it used to take three years to, to go through the course. Now they do it in a year. And essentially it's a leadership course for young adults ages 22 to 45. Um, and historically, and I know it's in the name, it says young dairy leader. Historically, it's always been like, you're either, uh, you know, in production, dairy production, or you're in academia or one of the supportive industries, mm -hmm. which is pretty encompassing <clears throat> when you think about it. I mean, there's oh, that's huge. less than 2% of the population are farmers, mm -hmm. but 45% of the population is tied to agriculture. So right. it's, it's pretty broad, but, um, in reality, you know, if, if you, like milk, if you like cheese, if you support farmers who make food, you can, and you're in that age range, 
um, you, you can go to this. So interestingly enough, uh, how the program is set up. So uh, this year was year one uh, of the of the program. So February, um, Valentine's week in February, we went out to Fort Worth, Texas. Right. Uh, for a week, we had a the, the in-person meetings, uh, speakers from all over the country. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, there was about 100, 100 of us there. Mm-hmm. It really opened my eyes to what dairy is and the professions that it encompasses. You know, so I grew up on an 80-cow dairy in Lowville. And for a lot of years, I thought if you were a farmer, it meant you had cows, mm-hmm. in particular black and white cows. Right. Right. But farming is is much bigger than that. So in my class, yeah, we had some uh, we had some folks, um, 22, 23 years old, right off the farm, um, and we had uh, some college students that were working on, uh, you know, maybe their ag business or animal science degree stuff like that. Lawyers. Hmm. How many people would think of lawyers involved in the dairy industry? Well, right. Yeah, exactly. Even though, you know, in, in our professions, we know yeah that there right. is that side of the industry, but. <clears throat> You know, a lot of people don't realize that there are attorneys who specialize in agriculture. Agricultural law, yep, exactly. And that's um, huge. And, and it, you know, we knew that, but it's not always in the forefront. Right. Um, marketing specialist, uh, one of the lawyers, a, a gal from Puerto Rico was there. So she, aside from owning a dairy farm in Puerto Rico, hmm. aside from being a lawyer, she's also a very active on social media and uh, in, in telling the story of, of agriculture in Puerto Rico and dairy farming in Puerto Rico and what she does with her law degree to help further that cause. Wow. Um, she's a busy lady. Yeah, very busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it was, it was a real eye-opener. And the other, the other thing that I took away, um, you know, the age range 22 to 45, I think uh, I'm 37. And I think I was the second oldest person there. So it felt jeepers. I, it felt really weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm 56, just to put things in perspective. So don't feel weird. You're yeah. still a young pup. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not, it's weird uh, when you're all of a sudden like the oldest guy oldest in the room. Oldest guy right? in the room, yes. Um, but uh, what I was probably my biggest takeaway from the in-person meeting was there are a ton of of really, really good quality individuals that want to work in agriculture. Mm-hmm. You know, not, I, I see it all the time. Yeah, see it all yep. the time. Some of the professionalism, the the knowledge, the skills, the personalities are just incredible. When you look across the agricultural industry, you know some of the best business people in Northern New York are from our dairy farms. Yeah, I mean some of the best. Yeah, comparable to any, any, any other yeah. sector, um, because of what they do, what they manage, the people they manage, and so on. Just incredible, incredible business people. Absolutely. So YDLI has uh, over six hundred alumni over the last uh, eleven classes. Let's see what else. So yeah. Well, the, so so I my question for you, Scott. You enrolled in this Youth Dairy Leadership Institute. Why? Why? Why did you enroll it? What do, what do you hope to have gained after the last day ends? Ah, good question. Um, so the the real why behind me joining, uh, so I used to work for a company called Select Sires. Right. Um, Select is the largest genetic, uh, cattle genetic company in the U.S. Um, and one of my mentors at that company, got uh, his name is Lyle Cruz. He knew that I, uh, man, I'm going to get kind of deep here, but he knew that I 
often uh, struggled because I held it against myself, Jay, for probably 15 years that I didn't go to college after high school. And I said, you know, everybody else, it's like, woe is me attitude, right? Everybody else has a leg up on me and I'm not going to be able to do this or do that. And he said, Scott, he said, have you stopped learning? I said, well, no, I haven't stopped learning. He said, good. Well, you know, I think you ought to go to this Young Dairy Leader Institute. And he told me about it. And um, so that's how I first got exposed to it. And the more I read up on it, I was like, yeah, like, why, why not? Like, what if I went, what could come out of it? And the longer I've, uh, the longer I've been in, been doing the work here at home as part of the class, um, the more I've realized, uh, some of the, some of the things I'm learning through YDLI is, is what it actually means to be a leader. You know, Mm -hmm. we think of leaders as, uh, you know, okay, Joe Biden's the president, so he's the leader of the country, right? Well, it really doesn't matter. I'm not going to touch that one. Well, You're setting me up, I'm, I'm only presenting the facts <laughs> of who is the president right now. That's all. We have elected officials and we have leaders. Yeah. But anyways, I'm sorry, Exactly, Scott. exactly. Yeah. But it really doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what your role is in an organization, uh, what your status is as an individual, what you think of yourself. You have an opportunity to be a leader every day, mm-hmm. you know, in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, some of the different styles of leadership, uh, one of the things that, that I wanted to work on this year was being a servant leader. You know, sometimes there's, there's, there's times where you need to be, you know, the guy out in front of the camera making it happen and, and getting people riled up. And there's times where maybe it's required that you sit in the background and, and, and just encourage people to go a direction and, and try to help them and, and help other people grow that way. And as somebody that had my own auction company for a lot of years, uh, and, comfortable in front of a crowd, being out there, it was really good for me to, to take a step back and say, okay, how can I, how can I lead people without, you know, without being the, the boisterous person out front, you know, doing all the, the stuff, you know, sure, how do you, how do you sure. lead from behind? Kind of yeah. Thing. And there is a skill to that, um, you know, being involved in both rotary, which our motto is service above self, and then being involved in scouting. One of the things we teach in scouting, especially at the upper levels is servant leadership and it's not always even if you are that person that's out there in front of everybody there's an awful lot of work if if you're a good leader there's an awful lot of work that you do behind the scenes to stand up the people around you absolutely Uh, you're helping them and that's servant leadership yeah um so yeah that's it's a huge and an important skill to learn and uh, that's great to hear about this. Uh, where would people go to learn more about uh, the the uh, young, uh, what is it again? Young Dairy Leader Institute. Young um, Dairy Leader Institute. Where yep. would people go to learn more about that? So that you can go right to HolsteinFoundation.org. Okay. Um, HolsteinFoundation.org. Um, and there's a tab right there on the left-hand column. Yeah, left-hand column. Um, it says YDLI, Young Dairy Leader Institute. Mm-hmm. And uh, click on that. Um, so this year's class is going to end Valentine's week in February. We go back out to Fort Worth. Um, so therefore, uh, there won't be an active class in 2023. So the next class will be 2020. And I, I'm not sure when enrollment would start. Probably about midway through the year. So, so the Young Dairy Leader Institute, part of the mission is to obviously, it's in the title, uh, help you develop your leadership skills to become a leader within your industry. Part the other part is uh, from what I'm gathering, 
is to help you gain your firsthand, your real-world knowledge about the dairy industry. I'm, I'm taking it that you've been exploring the da- dairy industry as a whole, not just a farm, but a- as an entire industry through this institute. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, going to this in February, um, or I guess knowing I was going to start this class in February, it spurred me to, to go to a conference last year out in Las Vegas in December called the Milk Business Conference, hmm. uh, where I got to hear a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Jack Britt um, talk on on climate change. And uh, the and I think the title of the presentation was The Future of the Dairy Industry. And he, Jack has spent his whole career, uh, especially the latter part of his career, talking about, you know, the carbon footprint of dairy in the U.S. and and where milk in particular and dairy products, how that's going to have to be a part of a diet in the future and breaks down like, okay, how much, how much would it take to feed this growing population if we didn't have dairy? Where's the food going to come from? And at the end of the day, dairy is a safe, nutritious food that, that can be part of a, a healthy diet. Can be part of an environmentally friendly diet. Exactly. Yep. And um, so, yeah, knowing I was going to, to be in the class, I, I took the opportunity, went out there, um, fortunately the company I work for, they, they, I split the cost with me on it, but that was kind of diving further into an area, starting with that conference that I wasn't overly familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, my passion, uh, how I got into working for agrarian started with select sires, spent seven years with that company because of dairy genetics. And there's a lot of things we can do genetically with cattle that further the, the cause that Dr. Britt talks about is is environmentally egg-friendly dairy. Right. Environmentally egg-friendly? Environmentally friendly <laughs> agriculture, <laughs> in particular dairy. And um, and then as I've, I've worked in the nutrition space the last couple of years, um, you know, you touched out on it at the beginning. There's so much stuff we can do um, with nutrition. Uh, so the company I work for, one of the coolest things that I, I think is that we're doing is our work with um, Avion antibodies. Okay, Avion antibodies. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it has something to do with birds. <laughs> it does, yeah. So, you know, you have uh, uh, the immunoglobulins in, in colostrum from a cow's, you know, cow's, cow's milk that right. goes on to her baby, right? Those, we, we would call them IgGs, um, is, is what's in bovine. Well, IgY... Avion antibodies is the equivalent. So you have a, a chicken that's running around the yard, pecking, or they're running around, you know, the, the farmer's pasture, they're pecking. Every pathogen they ingest, they're going to put an antibody for that pathogen into the egg yolk and pass it the on. Bird the the bird is, naturally. Yeah. Naturally, yep. Um, and, and put that into their egg yolk to pass on to their offspring. So if, if you know, you got a rooster running with them, those offspring will already have antibodies for the E. coli strain or the salmonella strain that's in your yard. Hmm. Interesting. So you don't have to have cattle, right, to to do that. If you had chickens in your backyard, they're pecking your lawn. They're pecking where you live. They have antibodies in their egg yolks that you're exposed to every day just by walking in your house. Hmm. So Interesting. It's just, yeah, it's pretty cool technology. That's been around for eons, right? So, <laughs> it's so, with the birds. so your company is developing uh, the ability to through through <clears throat> poultry at that farm 
to to be able to utilize that as a food component for the cows? Is that am I understanding that? Uh, the end the ending is where we're at. Um, the, so the technology has already been developed. Okay. Um, there's a company out there. I I don't remember their name. There's only one or two manufacturers in the world of IGY antibodies. And uh, so we source from that company, and what they found out is that we can immunize hens with, I mean, we we know naturally they put antibodies in their eggs, right? right. That's okay. But what we figured out was, was uh, you know, from the old timers talking about them going around picking through with cow manure, which has all those, ana- sure. those pathogens yeah. in it. Oh, they have the chickens love to pick well, through cow poop. Yeah, they immunize the hens with the bovine-specific strains of E. coli, salmonella, coronavirus, rotavirus, cryptosporidium, clostridium, every pathogen every that is... bug out there. Yeah, so, and those are the, the major pathogens that cause um, early death loss in calves. So hmm. baby calves, when they're born, they have passive immunity from their mother's milk. It's good for about eight to 10 days, and then those antibodies she gets from her mother start to wear off. Well, her own immune system doesn't kick in until about day 15 okay. or day 21. Okay. So she has like 10 more days to go with a very low level of antibodies in her system, but she's exposed to all these pathogens. Right. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of farms, well, most farms separate the calves from the cows so that after that point where the colostrum's worn off, they're not being as as exposed to uh, sure. the little bugs as they as they would be if they were left in with the cows. Right, yeah, we can get them in, in separate hutches, we can keep them clean on a regular basis, so, that sort of thing. So how do we, how do, how do you go from the egg to the calf then? Yeah, so, you know, historically a calf gets sick at seven days old, five days old, we might diagnose it as E. coli or salmonella, and you're going to prescribe antibiotics to that calf. And, you know, for years, we've been able to just treat those calves with antibiotics and, and it, they work. Like, they're there for a reason. But society is starting to turn away from wanting antibiotics used in our livestock. Right. Which I won't say too much about that. But anyways, um, so. So insert egg yolks. Oh, so you take you take these hens that are immunized with bovine specific pathogens, right? Uh, e. coli, salmonella, the whole list. We we then take those egg yolks that get dried down, and then my company we have a a couple different forms that you can feed the baby calves at. So one is a gel product that is a paste that they eat, um, a, a tablet or pill that they that you put down and they swallow, uh, or a powder that you just mix in with their milk every day. Hmm. And so we're feeding those antibodies to those baby calves every day, um, or at least once at birth. Yeah. But every day. So the goal is to get her from day one to day twenty one. Huh. And if we can if we can get her through the first twenty one days of life when her own active immune system kicks in, she has a lot better chance of survival. Jeez, this is just so, amazing. And, just and amazing. Really we can cut down uh we can cut down antibiotic usage of a lot with huh. that kind of stuff. Well, that's amazing, uh, Scott. Unfortunately, we've uh, we're running out of time here uh, very quickly, but uh, this has just been incredible. So, um, 
So the the Young Dairy Leaders Institute, they find out about that through HolsteinFoundation.org, correct? Yep, HolsteinFoundation.org. Click on the YDLI tab. Okay. Yep. And uh, just a wealth of information here. Very, uh, very fascinating to have this conversation with you. I thought you said you didn't go to college. (laughs) Sometimes you don't need to. Yeah. uh, It it wasn't for me back then. Yep. And so you gain knowledge in a lot of different ways. So it's not always necessary. Well, Scott, it has been fantastic uh, talking to you here on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me, Jay. Appreciate the opportunity. And folks, we uh, we just want to send a huge uh, uh, wish to all of you because this will be the last podcast before the uh, Christmas and Hanukkah, which is going on now, holidays. Um, we just want to say, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever, whatever you celebrate, whether it's solstice, Christmas, Hanukkah, or whatever, um, you know. Please uh, enjoy the blessings that you have. Uh, Share them with others. Uh, Faith, hope, and charity goes a long ways in our society today. So, you know, please uh, go out there and and spread the the joy around. And uh, also stay safe with the, uh, the blizzard that's coming this weekend. So, folks, that's it for today. Uh, we've been talking with Scott Zare, who is a, uh, a fantastic uh, young entrepreneur here in Jefferson County. And uh, we'll talk to you next week right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.